So we're on this message and this series on the Sabbath, and we're uh, continuing this uh, series called Rest Recovery Time, Learning to Say No. Uh, We dealt with it the last time we were on the topic that we're saying no to some things to say yes to a bigger thing. Now, I owe a great debt to two different authors and books that I've leaned on for this series. One, I mentioned the last time that I spoke, was Subversive Sabbath by A.J. Swoboda. The other is Garden City, Work, Rest, and the Art of Being Human by John Mark Comer. Both of these men are pastors in the Northwest. And there's also an excellent online resource that is offered by Comer's Church that I'd like to direct your attention to that has a lot of practical suggestions on how we can practice the Sabbath. It's on your smartphone app if you follow along with the sermon. And uh, instead of me recreating the wheel, uh, they've got it covered, so check that out. And Plus, it just gives me more time to uh, deal with making the case for why we ought to follow the Sabbath. One cool thing about that site is that it, it deals with different families. You know, you may be um, empty nesters, you may be a young family, parents with teens, parents with small kids, a uh, couple without kids, single. You know, there's kind of a list for each situation because every family is different, might practice it differently. So you'll, you'll definitely want to check that out. So if, if you are like me, um, this is something new to our thinking, although we've heard about it. We've kind of missed the boat on the Sabbath. In fact, I was thinking about this, that I have never heard a sermon on the topic. Not that I can remember. In my home church, in Bible college, in graduate school, I've never heard a message devoted to developing a rhythm of the Sabbath. Now, you know, you're encouraged, you hear bits and pieces about taking days off and resting, blah, 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 but not something devoted to the importance of a Sabbath rest, which is quite different than a day off. And so I'm a, I'm a newbie. And I talked the last time that I was here that I have not done a good job in this. And, you know, my, my drug is work. It used to be, you know, somebody would ask you, you know, how you're doing. You'll say, oh, you know, just crazy busy. Oh, got so much to do. I'm learning now as I, as I say that, that there's a sense of pride in that. There's an arrogance that, that, that underneath that is kind of like, you know what, I'm indispensable. I'm really needed. Uh, so I've had a lot of confessing. I don't know that I've ever done a series that has kicked my rear end more than, than this one. And so I come before you Thankful that I've got good resources to lean on because I don't have a lot of experience other than what not to do. Now, it's not that we haven't rested. We know we go on vacation and we have times where, you know, it, it, it's happened. But as a rhythmic, every week uh, devotion to having this space where we are stopping, resting, delighting, that is what we hope to change. And so uh, I hope to make the case to try to convince you of that today for all of us to learn together. So let's pray, and then we're going to dig in, all right? Father, 
may your spirit be our teacher today. May you take your word and apply it to our lives. And may we, as a congregation, learn how to accept the gift that you've given us in the Sabbath. And may we find great fruit from it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So our main passage for this will be Mark 2.27, where we find Jesus in a familiar position. He's being criticized by religious people. Uh, and isn't that you know, the case for anybody where you see the movement of God in our church, in our lives, you're going to get criticized, okay? That's why I pray for people like John Lindell and others who are kind of, you know, out in front at bigger churches. They're in the, they're the bullseye, you know, and they're going to get criticized. And it doesn't mean you have to agree with everything, but you need to, you need to pray for people that are on the same team that are doing great things for the, for the kingdom. So Jesus was obviously <laughs> creating the kingdom of God, and, and there was great criticism that came his way, and particularly on the Sabbath, because people were on his case that he was not following the prescriptions given uh, for the Sabbath. And this is what he said, uh, Mark 2.27. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, God has instituted the Sabbath for man's benefit, for man's refreshment. In the wisdom of God, he's created a, a rhythm rooted in creation, imprinted in nature, in the universe, that man is to work six days and take a Sabbath. Genesis 2 records this. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. I believe that's the first time holy is used. And notice it's not about a geographical place. You know, this holy temple, this holy church, whatever, none of that. It was time, a day. It's holy. It's set apart. Now, God rested not because he was exhausted, but because he set something in motion for our benefit. He gave us a gift of Sabbath so we can stop, rest, and delight in him. H.H. Farmer once said, if you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. You know, there's a law of gravity, right? We don't make the law of gravity. We simply recognize that it's good to, you know, acknowledge this law of, of gravity, right? I mean, when you ignore the law of gravity, you pay a price. Uh, there is a law of rest that God has put in place since creation. And when we ignore it, 
I think we pay a price. And God, by the way, had to institute a Sabbath law in the Old Testament under the Mosaic law because humanity had failed to live the intent of God's rest. I mentioned last week that Christians are not under the Mosaic law and not under the Sabbath laws, the Old Testament prescriptions pertaining to the Sabbath because we are in a new covenant. However, I don't want us to misunderstand and I don't want to overstate the point. Yes, the New Testament says we're not to judge each other concerning the days of, of the Sabbath, right? love a, a story how on a Sunday, the Atlanta International Airport had experienced a, a blackout, all of it. Guess who provided food for the hundreds, if not thousands of passengers who were stranded on that Sunday? The least likely candidate you would think, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Normally closed on Sunday, but saw a need and met it. The Sabbath was made for man. You know, some say it should be Saturday. Some say it should be Sunday. It doesn't matter what day you observe. But we have to be careful that in trying to stay away from the legalism of all that, we don't do away with the principle of following a day of rest to stop and delight in him and in our loved ones. I mean, you can't deny the natural rhythm of Sabbath rest without paying a price. Comer says, that's just wisdom. How the creator set up the human body and the world itself. You can skip the Sabbath. It's not sin. It's just stupid. <laughs> you can eat concrete. It's not sin. It's just dumb. <laughs> Professor of philosophy at the University of South Florida, Thomas Williams, offers a compelling description of this. He says, violating the eternal law is not like doing 40 in a 35-mile-per-hour zone when there's no traffic around. It's more like trying to violate the law of gravity. An apple falling from a tree has no choice about whether to obey the law of gravity, but human beings can voluntarily wreck their lives by running afoul of the laws that govern their nature. This is indeed a sort of freedom but it can hardly be the best sort, unquote. From the subversive Sabbath comes this story that in 1974, nearly halfway through the 84-day mission aboard the Skylab space station, Colonel William Pogue, who you see on the screen, requested a day of rest from mission control for his overworked and exhausted space crew. We had been overscheduled. We were just hustling the whole day, the work could be tiresome and tedious, though the view is spectacular, and how spectacular that view had to have been. But even that breathtaking view of space cannot relieve the human need for rest. So what happened? NASA refused the request. Subsequently, the crew went on strike in space. The first of its kind. Disobeying orders, the crew took a space Sabbath. <laughs> In response, ground control was forced to change their policy. And to this day, NASA now schedules time for rest on all space travel. Even NASA 
factors in rest. There's one critical text that speaks about the Sabbath in Numbers 10. Israel had been wandering, wandering through the desert on the way to the promised land. And we read in verses 33 and 34 of Numbers 10. So they set out from the mount of the Lord three days' journey, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them three days' journey to seek out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was over them by day whenever they set out from the camp. So Moses caught a glimpse of this Yahweh Shabbat, this Lord of the Sabbath. And notice what the text says. The Lord went before them. The Lord went before them. He went before them to find them rest. God was going ahead of Israel to find rest on their behalf. Moses is clear that Sabbath is not something we make. It's not created by human beings. It's something we enter into that we accept as a gift from God. So it's not self-created. It's a day that God has gone in in advance, who's put in place to prepare for us. And the book of Hebrews stresses, make every effort to enter that rest. Our task, like Moses, is to enter into what God has already prepared for us. Some might say, well, you know, the devil never takes a rest. The devil doesn't take a Sabbath, so, you know, we better work our tails off and not rest either. Well, since when are we supposed to take our cues from the devil? The fact is that there is a worldview in our culture it's, it's a way of the culture, the value of the culture that runs counter to God's ways. And by the way, guess who's behind the thinking of the culture? Now, we're not to hate the culture, right? We, we love people and there's, there's part of, you know, art and many things that we can appreciate and love. And, 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 but I'm talking about a, a philosophy, a way of doing life, a worldview that the culture perpetrates what the culture values. We're to think twice about that, and we understand who's behind it, 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So we're to, we're to be counter to the culture when it comes to its values and philosophies. A familiar passage is Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Think differently about these things than how the culture thinks. Do this differently than how the culture does it. Kind of like the Jews when they lived in bondage in Egypt, they lived in that culture under Pharaoh and they were enslaved, right? And I think In our culture, we are enslaved, or the culture seeks to enslave us in our busyness, in our philosophy of consumption that the culture has, and all that goes along with it. And then here you have God saying, stop, rest, and delight in me. 
mean, Satan knows that Sabbath is for us to stop and rest and delight in God, to prepare our lives to live for him. You better believe he's not going to like that. John Ortberg writes, Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry destroys our souls. Well, would you not agree with me that hurry, you know, anxiety, was being rushed, was having to fulfill all these expectations, right? That that's pandemic in our culture. Can you agree with me on that? I mean, I'm not here to condemn. I'm here to say we recognize it. This is, this is the world we live in. Uh, some time ago, a newspaper in Tacoma, Washington, carried this story of a basset hound named Tattoo. Tattoo didn't intend to go for an evening run, but when his owner shut his leash in the car door and took off with Tattoo still outside the vehicle, he had no choice, and a motorcycle officer named Terry Filbert noticed the passing vehicle and something that appeared to be dragging behind it. And as he passed the vehicle, he saw the object was a basset hound on a leash. Filbert said he was picking them up and putting them down as fast as he could. And he chased the car to a stop, and Tattoo was rescued, but not before the dog reached a speed of 20 to 25 miles an hour, rolling over several times. But the dog was fine and asked to not go out for a walk that evening. I think there are many of us whose days are marked by picking them up and putting them down as fast as we can. And we have to untether ourselves from the cultural vehicle that enslaves us to expectations that will not allow us to do what is best for our souls and the souls of our family. If you are the kind, and by that I mean humankind, that one cannot sit still, or when you do, your mind is racing. But all the things you have to do, this is for you. This is for all of us. This is for me. Juan Carlos Lerman, a researcher at the University of Arizona, examined the relationship between physical work and rest. And what Lerman's scientific research demonstrated was that the average human needs one day of rest per seven days to function properly. Lerman's research is summarized by Marva Dawn. I quote, according to Lerman's theory, failing to rest after six days of steady work will lead to insomnia, sleepiness, hormonal imbalance, fatigue, irritability, organ stress, and other increasing serious physical and mental symptoms. I've experienced some of those. What we have here is harmony between the Bible, science is just now catching up. Cultural critic Daniel Harris has gone so far as to argue that his Christian faith has been displaced. Guess what's taken its place? Consumerism is the thing that he says draws us together as a culture. 
I quote, in a fragmented society in which major institutions like the church and the community no longer play the same role in bringing people together, owning identity possessions, in other words, possessions where we gain our identity from, becomes one of their chief ways in which we experience community, overcoming an isolation through shared patterns of consumption. Eventually, this kind of society defined by consumerism creates a whole new caste system. Those without smartphones, computers, wireless, the latest technology, a keen fashion sense, or cultural nuance are the lepers of this consumer society. Now, this is not so we can all start feeling guilty because we own a smartphone. I mean, there's not anybody in here who doesn't own a smartphone or computers. They're, they're necessary to live in this world, but the point is, is that they're not to rule our lives. We're to rule them. God is inviting us to join him in a rhythm, the interplay of work and rest. And when we don't accept this invitation, we reap the consequences. Fatigue, yep. Burnout, yep. Anxiety, yep. Depression, busyness. Starved relationships. Worn down immune systems. Low energy levels, anger, tension, confusion, emptiness, these are signs that we are without rest. I mean, the definition of insanity is to know it's not good and to do it faster, to do it harder. And that's what we're doing. That's what I've done. Listen, having a Sabbath rest is different than having a day off, right? I mean, it's not binge-watching your favorite Netflix show. Nothing wrong with that, but that's just different than Sabbath. We're to enjoy God's creation, enjoy this gift he's given us, maybe even, even be outdoors, right? I mean, the average teen spends nine hours a day using media for enjoyment. This has led to what they call a nature deficit disorder. We're not made for screens alone. Enjoy the outdoors, right? A significant body of research suggests that even thinking about work is a stressful, anxiety-inducing activity. I mean, you take your laptop with you or your smartphone with you on vacation, and you are checking your emails, checking your texts, right? right? I mean, it's always been, for Janet and I, when we go on vacation, when I get back, it seems like there's some kind of big conflict to resolve, some big issue we have to address. So you almost don't even look forward to coming back because it's like, what am I gonna have to face now, right? And so you think, all right, well, Let's stay on top of it. I'll just take my laptop with me or take my phone so this won't happen. But then you end up not really resting. And thinking about work is work. But the Sabbath is having our phones off, no answering emails or texts. When we think about work, that is work in and of itself. We're to delight in his presence. You know that more people 
have heart attacks on Mondays than any other day of the week. Coming back to work, people's bodies are jolted back to adrenaline highs. In his book, Margin, Dr. Richard Swenson makes a compelling connection, get this, between broken relationships and our lack of rest. He argues that relational strife and unrest take place largely because of overload. I mean, listen, you're talking to a guy, we had four kids, three and under. Life was crazy. It seems like it's, we've never gotten off the crazy train since. When you do too much, you take on far more than what you can legitimately handle, we greatly increase the chances of not living peaceably with one another. Our stress level, you know, if you go from like a one to a 10, 10 being just, you're so anxious and stressed out and one being at rest, you know, we, it seems like we start with a seven because we've never really rested. We've never really taken the time to get back down. And so the slightest little provocation, even wanting to have a conversation, it's like, no, I don't want to do that. And so nothing ever gets solved. We, it's like we don't have the capacity. We get worn out, can't handle any conflict. It makes us too uncomfortable. And when that happens, we start making bad decisions. Instead of our values and God's kingdom being paramount in our minds, we elbow out anything else that causes friction. Listen, I speak from experience. When my spirit springs a leak, I know I'm not resting well. And those closest to me pay a price because they're not getting the best of me. And anything that you know, sets off the alarms, and then it's, it's fight or flight, right? I think Swenson was on to something here. I'm not saying taking a Sabbath is going to solve all your problems, but it certainly brings the stress level down to where I can think more clearly. I'm better prepared to deal with what life throws at me, and my heart can be filled with thankfulness and joy, and that's a That's a much different position to deal with relational conflict, work conflict, than walking into it all stressed. I'm just trying to make a case for us today that we can say no to these cultural values, whether it's consumerism or busyness or attainment to find our identity. We say no to these things because they're poisonous to our souls. I see it in me, I see it in us. I say this not to condemn, but just to say, all right, how about we try something different? How about we listen to what God has tried to provide for us here? Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann said, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently It's almost like you live for the Sabbath. You work the rest of the park. You're not working and then, okay, we'll do this thing over here. But the Sabbath is a synchronon. It's the climax. It's, it's the fulfillment. Sabbath isn't just a, a pause button 
It's a full, complete, total system restart. We, we power down, cool off, let the fan wind down, and then reboot. It's a chance to take a long, hard look at our lives and to retune them to the, the right key to make sure that our life is shaped around what really matters. Because when we're all stressed out, it's, it's just the thing that's nipping at our heels that gets attention. And when we start thinking backwards, and it's like we're trying to just please everybody then. And, you know, like particularly our kids, right? It's like the kids then rule the house because it's like, I don't want to deal with the stress of this. I can't hear the complaining anymore. So just, what do you want? All right? Just go. Here, take it. Do it. And instead of having being value-driven, kingdom-driven. Again, speak from experience, I understand. I mean, our lives were so crazy. I can remember Janet once. Uh, you know, we had twins, right, when we already had like a two-year-old and one-year-old. And, and so had these twins, and Janet is coming into the room crying. I can't find Janae. I can't find her. Where is she? And I look at her, I go, honey, she was in her arms. She was holding her, but was so blitzed, couldn't find her. You can get to that point. That's not on her, that's on me. I was working 70 hours a week. And thought I was blowing and going, reaching this, doing that, solving this. And I let my wife get to that point. We're to say no to the distractions. No to thinking that we're indispensable. No to falling into a mindset of constant activity and consumption to find our identity. And we form practices that help us say yes to a loving God. Yes to our family and friends to enjoy. Yes to the redemptive work of God in our lives and we can appreciate that he, he loves us so much. He's done what he's done in his grace through Jesus. I find my security and Significance in him. What that looks like for your family will be different than what it looks like for my family. But we have to start somewhere. And hopefully you'll be better at it six months from now than what you are now. We'll grow into it. Maybe you can start with just doing it for 12 hours instead of 24 hours. We have to carve out the time. To rest. Here's some suggestions to consider. Start with, like I said, just a half a day. Maybe light a candle to start the Sabbath. Something to signify, okay. Okay, everybody. It's on. Clear off your desk. Put away your to-do list. Turn off your electronic devices. Come together with family and friends. Read scripture. Put on your favorite CD that helps you focus upon the Lord. Pour yourself your favorite drink. Enjoy a feast together. 
as a family, laugh together, read a psalm, keep your robe on all day. It's 2 p.m., you can still be in your bathrobe. You're at home, who cares? Do what you want, right? Take a feast, take a walk, take your bathrobe off before then, put on regular clothes, otherwise <laughs> you'll just really look weird walking around your neighborhood. You get back home, eat some more, all right? Screw Cato at this time, Keto, whatever it is, whatever they call it. Just Cato, <laughs> that was the guy that, right. <laughs> Keto, eat what you want, right? Enjoy the day. Pray together as a family. Ask them what their highlight was for the week. Take a nap. No TV, no Netflix. Sit on the porch or by a fire. Play games together. Enjoy one another. Enjoy the presence of God. Give thanks to him. Listen, this is not a day off. It's something far more intentional. It's a day to stop working or even thinking about work, and to allow your spirit to rest, to allow your blood pressure to come down, for your mind to relax, to delight in one another in the Lord. If I told you that your relationships would improve, that your work would be more effective and centered, and you may even live longer, would you be willing to practice a Sabbath? You know, I'm not a Seventh-day Adventist. I'm not here to dog them. I just can't manage some of the legalistic structure. But here's something. Their recognition and practicing a Sabbath allows them to live 10 years longer than the average North American. Anybody into photography here? Video? How many of you have bought something from B&H, Photo Video New York? I have. I bought a couple cameras from them. They're located on 9th Avenue in New York City. Other than a store in Japan, it's the largest non-chain photo and video store in the world. It's also operated by a community of Hasidic Jews who dress as their 18th century Eastern European descendants did, and their practices seem just as ancient. At 1 p.m. on Fridays, their doors close for the next 24-hour period so that their employees may honor the Sabbath. Even more, customers who peruse their online presence during that time cannot buy anything. I went online yesterday to check this out. You can't buy something from the store then. Nada. And when asked why the company disallows purchasing on those days, the director replied, I quote, we respond to a higher authority. I think we ought to take a cue from our Hasidic Jewish friends. We respond to a higher authority. Let us admit that we don't know more than God, that we are finite, that he knows our needs better than we do, and he's given us a gift of a Sabbath. Forgive me as your pastor for not practicing this the way that I should have. I want to listen better. 
to my higher authority. I want us to listen better. But you'd learn the Sabbath not by reading about it, but by doing it. So let's just try it. Try it in small steps. It may seem cumbersome at first, but I think we'll get better at it. And I think we'll see our lives get better. Let's pray.